Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good, and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. Today, we're going to talk about endocrine disruptors, and this is a topic that's not specifically related to food, although we are going to talk about food a little bit, but it's a little bit of a more advanced strategy on your healing journey, but it is something that you need to know about so that if you're already working on food, nutrition, movement, supplements, and changing your lifestyle, that this could be another piece to that puzzle. It's definitely not something that I would get started with right away because like I said, it's a little bit more advanced and it takes a little bit more research and effort on your part. So food, nutrition, supplements, movement, sleep, stress management are always going to be more important, but reducing endocrine disruptors in your day is something that is definitely up there and can be helpful. I have a lot of clients who have ventured into reducing endocrine disruptors and have seen amazing results, less acne, less migraines, less joint pain, easier weight loss and enhanced fertility. So it's something that can definitely be impactful. And I will give you my big three recommendations to get started. If you're already someone who's doing a lot of this and you're already aware of toxins in your day, you're already working to reduce endocrine disruptors, you're probably already doing these three things. But if you're brand new to this, stick with me. I'm going to show you exactly how to make it very easy and also inexpensive because one of the misconceptions around endocrine disruptors and you know re- removing toxins from your day and using cleaner products is that they're more expensive. And that doesn't have to be the case. So I'm going to show you some easy ways and things, and I'll list some brands that I like so that you can check them out and hopefully they can fit into your budget and lifestyle. Now, one thing I'm going to tell you before we get started is do not get stressed. Do not get overwhelmed. It may sound like endocrine disruptors are everywhere and it's impossible to remove all of them. And that is true. They are everywhere and it is going to be impossible to completely eliminate them from your day. That's not what you want. There are things that you cannot control like air pollution, right? So these are all things that I want you to keep in mind. We're going to focus on things that we can control, but do not get stressed or overwhelmed. This is not something that is meant to cause negative feelings. I want you to feel empowered now that you're going to know about endocrine disruptors and do something about it, okay? So endocrine disruptors are essentially chemicals, toxins that are in our environment and can interact with our hormones. What happens is that these chemicals, which are found in things like air pollution, cigarette smoke. So even if you're passively smoking, right, if you live with someone who smokes or you're in an environment where you're exposed to cigarette smoke or pollution, which everyone is exposed to in some degree, but also in our beauty products, so lotions, creams, in things like deodorant. These are some of the preservatives and chemicals and toxins that are used to create these products, as well as cleaning supplies, right? Household cleaners that actually mimic the action of hormones. So when we inhale these things or when we ingest them, and I'm going to talk about some of uh, where it is in the food, or we put them on our skin, they actually enter into our body and start interacting with our own body's hormones. So they kind of mimic our own hormones. They pretend like they are hormones, but they're not. And they impact not only fertility, of course, but brain function, our immune system, and our digestive health. 
So some of them, you may have heard of uh, xenoestrogens. That's one type of chemical that mimics estrogen. And it's found in all kinds of creams and shampoos and things like that. And what happens is if you're estrogen dominant, as many women with PCOS are, and you're constantly exposed to xenoestrogens, you can of course, your symptoms could get worse and it could be harder for your body to clear the estrogen. Okay. So this can impact your fertility. It can impact your things like PMS symptoms and migraines and lumpy boobs and all kinds of uh, symptoms of high estrogen can get worse just by excessive exposure to some of these things. But again, don't worry, I'm going to show you exactly how you can remove them with very easy, three simple steps. So these endocrine disruptors are in a lot of different things. Okay. So they are basically everything is treated with some type of chemical nowadays, right? So whether it's your rugs and mattresses, they're treated with a flame retardant that contains some endocrine disruptors. When we look at things like cleaners, Clorox, Windex, all of those things, you know, they don't kill bacteria for no reason, right? There's a lot of chemicals in those products. And especially with things that have artificial scents, that's another place where you're going to see a lot of chemicals. So your Glade, you know, those things that you plug into the electricity and they diffuse scents, those Airwick and Glade candles, scented candles that smell like vanilla patchouli, that's obviously not a natural smell, right? That's a chemically produced smell. And I want to know, I'm very sensitive to those things. Does anyone here ever get migraines or some type of a reaction when you walk into a house and they have very strong smells like those candles or the Glade like plug-in scents? That's something that you should be very aware of. Some people are very sensitive to those smells. And for me, immediately I get a migraine when I smell those things. It's a very strong smell. It's a chemical smell. And that's something that is considered an endocrine disruptor. So anything that has artificial scents, your dryer sheets, and of course, any air fresheners and things like that, those are going to be chemically loaded, loaded chemically with, with endocrine disruptors. So... There are a lot of places where endocrine disruptors are found. And as you can see, some of them we can control, right? Of course, I can choose to not have those scented candles and not use things like dryer sheets. I can control that. But there are things that you cannot control. We cannot control most of us the air pollution outside, the, you know, gases that are emitted from cars all around us. If you live in a big city, you're probably more exposed to that than someone living in the suburbs, you know, when there are buses and there's a lot of uh, vehicles emitting a lot of chemicals in a small space. So some of these things you're not going to be able to control. So we're not going to worry about them. But what I do want you to think about is the things that you do have control over. And those are usually the things that are in your house, in your personal space, and also think about the things that you do every single day. Now, I'm going to give you another tip. It's a great idea to start with things that we ingest, so stuff we eat, stuff that we put on our skin, because our skin is actually obviously porous, right? And whatever I put on my skin gets immediately absorbed into my bloodstream, right? Into my, my system, so things that I put on my skin, things that I ingest and things that I inhale 
are usually the ones that I want you to start with. So anything with very strong scents, anything that you put on your skin, like lotions and cleansers and and deodorant, for sure, that goes right into your lymphatic system. And then things that we eat, right? Things that we ingest. Okay, so let's get started with what you can do about it. Hopefully you're not freaked out. I really, I really, when I first heard about it and started learning more about it, I got a little scared. I was like, oh my God, this is everywhere. I cannot not be exposed to it. But here's the thing. You can reduce it significantly. You can't reduce it completely. That's out of the question. Nobody can do that. Okay. Unless you go to the woods, start living off the grid, maybe then you can reduce completely, but most people can't. And we have to live our lives. We can't be scared of breathing, but I want you to get some practical tips today on how you can start reducing the significant endocrine disruptor exposure that you currently have. The first thing I want you to think about are plastics. So you've probably heard of plastics not being great for you. And we're, of course, talking about water bottles, but also containers in your kitchen and anything that you put in plastic snack bags, things like that. I want you to try and slowly replace them with glass or metal. Okay, plastic, especially plastic that's been used. And if you put your plastics in the dishwasher or if you have a water bottle that you leave in your car and then it's a sunny day and then you drink from it, the heat. And if you microwave in a plastic container, your leftovers or whatever, the heat will actually cause the particles of plastic to start moving and they leach into the food. This is why, and I'm sure you've heard about this before, you don't want to microwave your food and your plastic if you can, and you don't necessarily want to put them in the dishwasher either, because again, that changes the composition of the plastic and it actually starts leaching into the food. It's not something you're going to see or taste, but over time... That's going to happen. And if you've ever, I want to know if you've ever done this, if you've ever heated pasta with tomato sauce and it stained the container, you can see that the container is porous, right? You can see that there's movement between the material in the container and the, the plastic itself, like it gets absorbed. So the same happens the other way where the plastic can be leaching into the food. So I highly, highly encourage you, if you're going to store something in plastic, at least don't heat it up don't put it in the dishwasher and certainly don't leave a plastic bottle of water in your car and then drink from it because you're going to probably take in some of these plastic particles. So I use a, a glass water bottle. I bought this at Target. There are a few brands that I really like. This one is called Contigo. There is a brand that you probably heard about. It's metal, it's Hydro Flask. And then another one that's really good is Swell. It's S-W-E-L-L. Those are all great, not expensive brands. I bought this probably like four years ago. It looks brand new. And I do put this in the dishwasher. I don't put the cap in the dishwasher, but I put the actual bottle with this rubber case in the dishwasher. It's like brand new. It doesn't degrade at all. And it's dropped many, many times and didn't break because it's protected. And I love it. It's highly sustainable for me to keep this around all day long. And it's also better for your hydration because if you're just sipping on random water bottles, you're not quantifying it. You don't know how much water you took in. This helps me with my hydration. I know I get two two or three of these per day and I feel good and I'm done and I keep reusing it. So if you're someone who does random Poland Springs bottles or whatever during the day and you know you need to work on hydration, I highly recommend switch to metal or glass and then 
start working on better hydration with your reusable bottle as opposed to it's better for the environment as well. So that's number one for sure. Reducing plastic use. If you can, I know glass containers are more expensive, but what I've done over probably the past two or three years is slowly replacing my containers. I didn't just throw out all the ones that I have and I still use some plastic ones, but again, I don't heat them. I don't put them in the dishwasher. I hand wash them, but Over time, you can start replacing some of your plastics with glass. And I started with the size that I use the most. And then I started kind of getting fancier from there with different sizes. So you can definitely do that over time. You don't have to feel the pressure because I do know it's more expensive to buy glass containers, but it's well worth it. They last much longer and you can feel that, you know, kind of confident and, and safe that you're feel safer with your plastics. The other thing is straws. So I have these two straws over here. This one is metal and this one is silicon. So I actually do not use plastic straws anymore. I like to use straws and I felt, you know, I used to chew on my straws also, which is gross, I know, but probably not be- not really that great to chew on a plastic straw, right? Going right into my mouth. So these are great. I bought these in packs of like, I think 10 off of Amazon. You can find them. They're very cheap. And then this metal straw, I I also got online somewhere and it's the bomb. It's really great. I put both of them in the dishwasher. Silicon is a great alternative to plastic. So if you are someone who uses a lot of snack bags or, or Ziploc bags, I want you to think about buying silicon bags. Again, you can find them off of Amazon very relatively cheaply. They're reusable and you can put them in the dishwasher. And of course, it's better for the environment, but also it's going to reduce your plastic use. So silicon, metal, and glass are going to be great ways for you to start lowering plastics. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is beauty products. Now, this is tricky because a lot of beauty products that are cleaner and don't have parabenes, sulfates, and something called phthalates are going to not smell as good as probably the lotions and creams that you currently use. So this is definitely an adjustment. And I want you to think about trying some replacement. So the first one I'm going to suggest is deodorant. Looking for aluminum-free, paraben-free deodorant. They are now everywhere. Not all of them work so well. Okay, so you're going to have to try a few different brands. I recommended this to my sister-in-law and she said... It was great in the morning, not so great in the afternoon, right? So as the day went on and it got hot and she got sweaty, she said it didn't really do a good job. So you need to try a few different brands. One of the brands that a lot of people like, I have a few brands written here. So Native is a very common brand and a lot of people like that. I know that Primal, I believe it's called, is another one. I've never tried that one. I've tried Native. And then Schmitz is another. So this is for US people. If you're here in the US, I don't know about brands abroad. Native is a very common one. So it should be clearly labeled on your deodorant, whether it contains aluminum, whether it contains parabens. Some people also need to look for deodorant that doesn't have baking soda because it irritates. So you're going to have to, you know, invest in a couple different brands and see what works best for you. And of course, depending on where you live and how sweaty you get, that's going to be a factor as well. So deodorant is one thing, and you also don't have to go with deodorant specifically, but if you use lotion, makeup, 
sunscreen, okay? So there's mineral-based sunscreen that contains way less chemicals than regular sunscreen. And you can definitely try that. It's highly effective. So I would just start looking for beauty products that do not contain parabens, sulfates, and phthalates. And that's going to be the big three that you want to look for in terms of makeup, lotions, sunscreen, and deodorants for sure. One of the most well-known clean beauty brands is Beauty Counter. And I'm not a representative with them or anything like that, but I have used a lot of their products and they are good. It's kind of an adjustment because you're using now, you know, you're probably going to switch from a very fragrant lotion or, or face cream or, or cleanser or whatever it may be to something that doesn't smell so strong. So you have to be prepared for that. A lot of us, we do like this, the nice, refreshing, you know, pleasant smells. So a lot of these cleaner beauty products are not going to smell. They don't smell bad, but they just don't smell. They're, they're odorless. So beauty counter, honest beauty is another very common brand. And again, some of them are pricier than others. I would say start with the things that you use every single day. So most people use deodorant every single day. Most people use like a moisturizer every single day. Maybe those are the two things that you get started with and you see how you feel. Okay. The third thing that I wanted to talk about today is organic produce. Now, before I lose your attention, I know organic produce is a pain to get sometimes. It does go bad a little bit more quickly and it is expensive. But I do want you to think about the fact that if you're eating a lot of conventional produce that is highly pesticized, this is something that can impact your hormonal system, right? Because pesticides and herbicides and all of the spraying that goes on with produce and produce is heavily sprayed with all kinds of chemicals. Those are all things that we end up ingesting. Even if we wash our produce, even if we peel some of it, there's still a high exposure to those chemicals. So if you can, switching to organic would be great. I am going to give you some more specifics because again, it's not worth it to switch to everything organic. It's not necessary. It's not beneficial because some things to begin with are very minimally pesticides. So it's not really necessarily a good idea to switch. So I'm going to show you that. Now, what I'm going to say is that here in the U.S., we have the USDA that kind of facilitates the process of being certified organic. And it is an expensive process for farmers to get the certificate of organic seal from the USDA. Why am I telling you this? It's because most of the produce in the supermarket that you see and is USDA organic is not necessarily the best price to to find organic produce at. So if you don't go to the supermarket, if you have farmer's markets now in the summer in your area, you can probably go to a farmer's market and find produce that is organic, although not certified organic, because those smaller farmers that go to farmer's markets don't usually have the money to pay for this big certification, but they use organic practices. They don't spray their stuff. They don't use chemicals. They keep their you know process of growing the produce very clean. They don't officially have the certificate, but that doesn't mean it's not organic. So when you can, Buying from farmers in farmers markets, smaller markets is great. That stuff is going to be organic. And you can ask them, do you spray these peaches? Do you spray these grapes? And then you can rest assured that that stuff is really organic, even though it's not officially certified. 
that's going to be way cheaper. So there is a group, it's called the Environmental Working Group, ewg.org. If you go to their website, you're going to be able to see every single year the Dirty Dozen, which is the produce that's most heavily sprayed, and the Clean 15. The Clean 15 are the 15 produce types that are very clean. They don't really have a lot of pesticides. We don't need to buy organic if we're buying something from the Clean 15. So on the right, what you're seeing, these are the Dirty Dozen. These are the 12 types of fruits and vegetables that are most heavily pesticized. They have the most chemicals sprayed on them. Kale, strawberries, spinach, always the leafy greens. The leafy greens are going to be very heavily sprayed because a lot of bugs go on them and it's hard to grow them. So always remember that leafy greens are always going to be heavily pesticized. And then things that you usually would eat with the skin, peaches, strawberries, cherries, nectarines. These are things we don't usually peel and we want to make sure that we buy them organic if possible. Potatoes, tomatoes, celery, pears, apples, cherries. So these are the dirty dozen. These are the ones for 2021 that you're going to want to try and buy organic if you can. Now, if you go on the Environmental Working Group's website, you're also going to be able to see the clean 15 and you're going to be able to say, okay, I'm not going to need to worry about these being organic. I can buy conventional produce in the grocery store from these produce items. And that's great. You don't. So I can tell you already that things like bananas and pineapple, they're on the clean 15. Nobody eats the skin of the banana. Nobody eats the peel of the pineapple, right? Everything that we peel is going to have less pesticides because the majority of it goes on the skin, of course. So you can already use your common sense with, you know, you don't need to worry about buying organic bananas. That is totally not worth it. But these things that we usually eat the way they are, or something like potatoes that have a very thin skin, that's something that you probably do want to buy organic because again, the exposure to pesticides with these very delicate fruits like cherries and strawberries and the lettuces, these are very delicate types of plants and they can go bad very quickly. They are heavily, heavily pesticides. Okay. There's nothing worse for a farmer than not getting the yield that they want. So a lot of times companies are going to spray them. These big farms are going to spray this stuff very heavily. This is why it's always better to buy local, to buy small from small farms, those things are going to be organic, even though they don't have the fancy seal. Okay. So I'm going to stop the share in my program. I go way deeper into this. I teach the ladies. This is part of the the guide that I give. As you can see, I always give downloadable resources and, you know, help them implement things in a very simple way. But just to recap what we talked about today, I want you to think about replacing plastic with metal or glass. I want you to think about beauty products that don't contain parabens, sulfates, and phthalates. And that could be your makeup, your lotions, sunscreen, deodorant. Start looking for brands. Do some research. Look into native deodorant, beauty counter. A beauty counter is on the pricier side. I'm going to say that. But actually, honest beauty is not not so expensive. So look and research and see, maybe you can replace one of the things, replace the things that you're using most frequently, the things that you put on your skin every single day, multiple times a day, those are going to be your most important things to start reducing the toxin exposure from. And then number three, look into the dirty dozen, go on the environmental working groups website, look at the dirty dozen, the clean 15, 
and see if you're buying strawberries now frequently, maybe you can afford to buy organic. Maybe you can find a local farmer's market that sells it and just slowly but surely start thinking about endocrine disruptors and reducing those toxins. It can have a huge, huge impact on your health and your hormones and your PCOS symptoms. So wouldn't it be worth it? I think so. I hope this was helpful. And I'll be here next week with a different topic. If you have any topic suggestions for me, feel free to post them in the group. Otherwise, I'll see you here again next time. Bye. Have a great day, everyone.